Welcome, friends, to this intuitive public radio. You are listening to episode 193, The World, Cult, and You, with Saul Luckman, recorded the 2nd of October, 2023. This is part two. Enjoy. Oh, I love that. I love that. I've I've been working with a uh, a concept that basically you go from in the cult, the world cult, or in the trafficking system that we're talking about, you go from a kind of group think, which is the the download from the great parasites, which gives its mind to people so that we end up thinking with its mind. We're not even thinking with our own minds. On some subconscious level, we're interacting with that installation in our minds. But really, we haven't found our own voice because we're being we're being controlled at a very fundamental level. And then that that group thing translates into what I call cult speak, one word. And cult speak can involve the deletion of language or the insertion of confusing language. So if you look at everything that's going on with politics and gender ideology and shaming and everything in the world, it's all designed to basically turn people's, uh, what remains of people's ability to think by themselves, just to basically turn it into mush so that they can absolutely be fully controlled. We talk about it in terms of neurological injury, really overarchingly. Um, There was something, it was in your book. It was in a quote. I actually, I recorded something about it. I don't remember where it is right now. Um, One of the, there was a paper you were quoting from Richard Allen. Miller. Miller? Um, yeah, I think it, it was either a embryonic holography or uh, a holographic concept of reality. There was a specific thing in there that I uh, it it lit me up when I saw it. I thought there's more about this. It was something about maybe it was the holography. Um, he was he was talking about the nervous system connecting everything. Yes. Um, and I, well, I have a quote if you would like me to share it. So oh, people yes, that would be awesome. Off. Yeah, it basically says that. Um, um, yes, um, I want to make sure that is the exact quote. So this the, this is in my. This is in this is a quote I also include in the world cult and you and the relevant chapter. And he says that um, the uh, the DNA appears to be the projector of a biohologram, both at cell- cellular and organismic levels. And just as an aside, I talk all about this new uh, bogus truther controversy over the existence of DNA and that kind of thing. I go into some detail in this book about that. So if, if DNA is triggering you right now, just read the book. So this means that DNA is responsible for creating a complex pattern of three-dimensional electromagnetic standing and moving wavefronts in the space that the organism occupies. We believe that these wavefronts interact with, interpenetrate, and interdetermine the physical substance that makes up the creature, us, right? The biohologram has characteristic properties that include the ability to affect the DNA that occupies specific positions within the biohologram. In such a situation, the nervous system constitutes, first and foremost, a coordination mechanism that integrates DNA projections across all of the cells in the bio-hologram, aligning these cellular holograms and linking the whole creature hologram. So when when you basically 
fritz the neurology, you are separating the creature from its mind. And I think that's fundamentally what's happening to begin with early on as we are acculturated, as we're brought into the culture, the the great parasite is giving us its mind as we learn how to be a member of society. That's what indoctrination really is. We are given a mind to think with, and it's not our own. It's been so exciting for me to discover the ways that you refer to this stuff, because not only do you you describe it in from your perspective, your 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 ways of understanding it, um, but you also make lots of really good references to other people's research. Um, you organize the way you communicate about it in a way that, that is very it's it's straightforward. It's organized. It, it's 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 been possible for me to follow even in states of really severe neurological injury. Um, and this is just one of a bunch of different things where um, in the network, we started comparing notes as the most severely disabled people abandoned by everyone. No health professionals knew how to help us or wanted to talk to us. We were just being left for dead over and over and over and over again. We built infrastructure to start to compare notes and we started discovering things based on our ability to compare notes about our situations where people like us don't get heard from at all otherwise. And one of those things was how extensively neurological injury specifically has been and is being deployed to cause all of these different problems that essentially make people vulnerable to trafficker programming so that they would keep the trafficking pathways active without even knowing the traffickers were there. Yes, I, I agree completely. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, if you, extract your own emotional response or your own you know triggered uh, state of being around this topic just hats off to the great parasite we're talking about an absolutely brilliant criminal mastermind here that somehow we are partially at least responsible for creating to run this classroom and it's a great actor, in addition to its wonderful uh, sort of spy genius to be able to pull all of this off and the ultimate manipulator of human perception and behavior. And also a wonderful teacher. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's well, one of the, part it of the memes terrible, in the but... book is one of the memes in the book shows this big parasite. Right. And it says, you know, me, you know, meet your head teacher or the head teacher of this realm. I feel a great affection for that teacher. And it, it can be very difficult to have this kind of conversation when people people are suffering in very extreme ways. It is really violent, the stuff that is going on on this planet. And there is a place we can come to about it to recognize how much power we are being given because we have the opportunity to to process and engage with the solutions in this context it is massive the capacity that we have to 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 make beautiful worlds because we have this evil mastermind teacher 
in 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 our reality um you know whatever doing the marionette things pulling the strings um flipping the toggles um playing this role um overstating the 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 evilness right but once you start to see the overstatedness of the evilness it it actually gets hard to unsee unless you uh, un unless you get really really neurologically injured again and that it can be hard to hold on to but the more we anchor it with one another we can grow back those neurons really fast relational neurological repair is a really powerful thing and it it gets harder and harder to forget that there is a there's a greater context here where what we're learning is so much more powerful and magical than any of the forces that separated us from ourselves or one another in the first place. That's huge. Beautiful too. You said it so well. You're just exactly right as far as I'm concerned. It's it's and and I think what you brought to the table in that um, and what you just said is incredibly important. It's this idea, and I don't touch on this as much as I should have, that. It is the intersection with the what I'm calling the great parasite that that provides an almost endless source of energy for you to heal and transform your own life and possibly beyond that your own world. And that's that's what I meant by this loose this, this this you know this uh this loose meter is it, is it coming to you or from you either way it can move and if it comes back into you it can transform right back into the chi or prana or mojo whatever you want to call it but when it's taken from you then it debilitates you and it takes away those things and it takes away your consciousness your ability to think so it's it's really interacting with the great parasite and the reality construct in a certain way from a certain mindset or consciousness where we don't see ourselves as victims, where we see ourselves as making choices. And in making different choices, we can begin to reverse loose the losers. And when you do that, you empower yourself and you disempower them. The, the, Until they figure out they're being disempowered and they decide to take back their own energy instead of getting it, let's say, from the world cult. There's this transformative process that, that, that we can engage, but it's not just we who have survived challenging circumstances. It's also all, all of the, I mean, the, the, the most, the people who are violent predators, people who are, who are trafficking operatives, who are, who are intentionally, knowingly, um uh activating harm through these systems Th these people they're not in it because they want to be in it they're in it because they were in a situation or they were born into it they've never had a better option when we activate these these kinds of powers of ho holding ourselves and um being centered and grounded in in, in peace and love for ourselves and for one another, belief in ourselves and in one another, we're creating circumstances where traffickers decide not to be traffickers anymore. And that's not just human. Or you can create something that doesn't turn into a cult. That's it's brilliant what you're saying. You're you're also kind of laying out the framework for how one could come together with friends and other people in groups 
groups and not have it transform into a cult. Well, that, that's what we've been really studying in the intuitive network, because what, severely disabled people end up not even being able to interface with one another unless we have really clear understandings of how to avoid harming one another. Because people who are in terrible, torturous suffering thrash and can really hurt anybody in their vicinity. So the only way that we've been able to interface with one another to collaborate over these years is by making sure that if in, in, in our space, in our conversation, whatever modalities we're using, we can never, ever, ever allow traffic modalities, traffic patterns to be run. Like a lot of people will take some of them for granted and be like, well, we don't know another way to do things in order to survive physically we had to find another way to do it. And um, some people brought up in our groups, uh, when you started talking about community, about, about how a, you know pretty much any community turns from a, a community with a community leader into a, 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 a commune with a dictator or a cult with a dictator or something like that. Um, and that, that's what we found to be true. The reason that we've built what we've built is because we didn't find any community that wasn't affected by these cult modalities, we had to build a totally different way of doing it. And at first, I think a, a lot of people just felt like it could never happen, but I wouldn't be alive if we hadn't done that. There's no way that I would be alive right now on the planet. Um, so we wow. know that it's possible, but wow, do we have to believe in it and we have to really focus and do it. We have to keep practicing it. And, and then what we find is, traffickers won't bother us really because we're not in their reality and then what happens is traffickers kind of start to get the sense that something else is going on there might be a better sense of nourishment and we haven't made it big enough to know what those effects are like we can never know exactly what's happening but we know it protects us from violence we know it protects us from perpetrators because they fugue out and they they just they get confused and they wander off that kind of thing yeah. happens when we use these modalities. It's it's fascinating. You know, I, I'm going to be sharing this in my little blog um, that I mentioned about reverse loosing the losers. It, but it's so it's so on the subject. And uh, I, I wanted to share this little moment. There's a moment in my novel Snooze where the 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 uh, protagonist, the hero, Max Diver, is he's in the other world of dreams trying to save his father who's gotten lost there and he's max is um is spinning off of an earlier childhood moment when he was being bullied very tremendously at school when he was in sixth grade because he was different and he was nicknamed woo woo because he was this different kid with these different abilities and he gets totally bullied by one of his classmates and it, it's so strong that it awakens, the bullying is so intense that it awakens Max's dream body. And when that does, he basically kicks this guy's ass without even knowing what he's doing, all right? And then years later, as he's harnessing his ability to, to deal with power, essentially it's what the book is about. It's about the cities, the S-I-D-D-H-I-S, the Hindu powers that we have within us the kind of almost like real superpowers that, that exist. As he's learning to do that, 
there's a, a a very pivotal moment towards the end of the story where where he is being he is in a group of people that are being attacked by these dinosaurs, um, these flying dinosaurs as they're trying to escape a certain area uh, in in the rescue attempt uh, where his father is concerned. So he there the these people have a very different understanding of what it means to protect themselves. The people in this this other world that he's visiting. And they don't use violence. They use peace as a kind of weapon. And they like on their ships, they have something called a pacifier, which is an energy uh, device that sends out these these this this energy that basically pacifies the environment. And it takes away discordant thoughts. And essentially, you might say it takes away the mind parasite installation or something like that, just like real power does when you have real power that you are personally sourcing that's your power, it's not somebody else's, then it can actually undo the parasitic mind installation or at least uh, keep it at bay or disable it temporarily depending on how much power we're talking about. So there's this moment I was gonna share where uh, where uh, Max is, um, the, the dinosaurs are flying in and it, you know they're about to be wiped out uh, by these very powerful beasts. And his friend Karul on the boat is is manning the um the the pacifier okay so this is the little description it's three short paragraphs carol appeared to spin the ebony pit on top of the white avocado like a ball bearing in his direction a shimmering beam of energy erupted from the device making the air dance all around like a heat mirage as it zapped max with a direct hit he was ready Similar to an Aikido master channeling and amplifying his opponent's own energy against him, he absorbed the pacifier's beam, only to project it back outward in a rapidly expanding sphere. The effect was like a peace bomb exploding. Wave upon wave of pacifying energy pulsed to the farthest horizons. Disoriented, the Thunderbird simply sailed away on the breeze. I really love that. A lot. It, it's it's been especially interesting when I have absorbed pieces of that novel. I haven't I haven't read it from the beginning to the end, but I've dipped into a lot of different places in it, sort of non-linearly over time. And I started calling myself Max as a response to the the situations that I was in where Megan Elizabeth Morris died and the people mm. around her did not recognize that death and so i couldn't allow people to call me megan anymore it was really painful to have them fail to recognize that death so the, the name max comes from my my father's father my paternal grandfather when he was a baby he was named max and then later in his life he was named mac um and so i took his names um and then i oh, could but but reading about your Max in Snooze, um, it well I mean mostly listening. I've been listening to the the podcast uh, audios that you released most of the time. Um, it 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 has felt like connecting my my avatar self with this other avatar self. Um, there's there's a kind of kinship there that I don't know exactly how to verbalize, but I have really enjoyed. And I love finding out more about that story because my my memories of of reading it are are very like 
this and then this and then this, but it's all out of order. So at some point I'm going to need to read it from the beginning to the end. So I get to actually experience it the way you published it. <laughs> you know, over on YouTube and on my Substack, I'm releasing a series of um, audio, audio visual chapters. So I'm, I'm actually creating imagery for the various scenes and I'm putting it to music and there's a voiceover. So the, I've got the first five chapters that I published on on my YouTube channel, which is Crow Rising, or my Substack, which is uh, soullockman.substack.com. You can go check That's out. Awesome! I didn't realize you were adding imagery along with the. Story. Yeah, I'm basically turning it into a kind of like MTV Insta movie. Dude, I'm so excited to look at those. Thank you for mentioning that. Well, you know, you inspired that a little bit, Max. It's funny, you know, to, to hear you talk about Max and and your your interface with Snooze because I've just been really keenly aware in our conversations that there there are different ways of healing damaged neurology, and often the most powerful healing effects combine different elements, different registers. So putting music with words and imagery seem to me potentially much more healing than just having the story out there as an audiobook or as text. I agree. Learning modalities. And another thing would be, if you don't mind me making a suggestion, I don't know if it's even viable, but if you're doing all that work, you might possibly consider releasing DVDs so that people don't have to stream it. Um, because yeah. talking about a, 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 a fictional or metafictional healing resource, it's a, it's a repair resource majorly. Mm. You know, I hadn't thought about that. That is very interesting. I'll, I'll think about it. I'm, I'm still using an AI voice for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a reason for that. People have all these ideas about AI and all these different, like people get really triggered by the AI thing, but basically you can you can create material so much faster using the using using text to voice and then and then combining that with uh, with footage uh, from from di different sources. It's so much faster than recording it and trying to line that up with the footage. It's it's that is that is an undertaking, and I don't have the time to do it. It's not that I wouldn't want to do it. It's just that I don't have the time, and I don't want to pay somebody to do it. So. That's where I am. And it also gives me an interesting creative outlet to, and I'm using a, a, a service called Pictory. It gives me a, a very interesting creative outlet to take a blog or a story. I'm doing I'm doing uh, the same thing with The World Cult and You. I'm basically turning it into an audio, what I call an audio video book. And you can just watch watch it and absorb it. I'm putting the, the text on the screen as well so that you don't have to have like bad cc you know closed caption with misspelling everything and going all over the place you can just turn that off and watch my cc if you want to or just listen to it and and not even uh watch the the images but the images do bring something to it you know when you're talking about cults and cult leaders and hypnosis and all this kind of thing to see imagery that reflects that i don't know it drives this these concepts in pretty deep 
it's really important to have all of those modalities in play because people can come to understandings and inspirations on that basis in ways they wouldn't be able to otherwise. And I want to say about the the using the AI reader, the AI voice, you can release that so much more expediently. And otherwise, it's not available to people. People try to to set up the ability to read something with a with with a, an adaptive piece of software, um, but it's hard to set up. And so, when people start to have trouble reading text, it can be really difficult for them to absorb anything that isn't already made into audio for them. And at least having the 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 AI voice is a huge benefit. Um, if if it's not possible for for somebody to be reading it at that time, it lets you release it and it can be out there benefiting people instead of not. I think that's really good. That's right. That's where I'm coming from. I know that it's not perfect. I would say in terms of naturalness, you know, one being not at all natural and 10 being fully natural, it's probably an eight or something like an that. An eight you know? is so not that bad. That's pretty good. Not that bad. Because I'm also taking the time to go in and troubleshoot areas where it the AI voice was tripped up over certain words or phrasings or pronunciations. And so basically it sounds like like the the words that are being read or uh, you know through the AI interface, it does actually sound like what I wrote. So that's you know that's good. That's great. Maybe the emphasis is not always exactly how. I would have done it or that kind of thing. And there's can be a little bit of a um, awkwardness in that occasionally, a lot of times not at all. And the, the AI voice I'm using for the world called in you is a British voice. And it really sounds pretty, it's probably more like a nine. It's really, really close. But with snooze, I wanted to use an American accent. And so um, I, I, I chose uh, one of the readers, um, an American male voice for that. And it's not quite as uh, realistic sounding as the British voice I chose for the world cult in you. I'm really glad that you're spelunking in all of these different ways of delivering content. It's made it so much more possible for me and others to look at your work. And we're coming from situations that are basically impossible that no, nobody thinks it's even worth time considering how to help us make contact with content. And one of the reasons that we've been able to make more contact contact with yours has been that you're using a bunch of different modalities to communicate. So it's really cool. It's funny. It's a little circle because, you know, part of your feedback has inspired me to do that. So, you know, it's, it's given me like a reason to do it. Like, oh, somebody actually gives a shit because I really, a lot of the time, at times I feel a lot of the time, I just feel like no one really gives a shit about what I'm doing. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I, I get really, I mean, I get a lot of great feedback, but on the projects that I'm really interested in, like, you know, this, this new one in the world called and you, you know, it's really hard to get people behind the damn paywall to read the book, you know, and I'm not going to give away my content. I'm just not going to do it. This is how I make my living and support my family. So, you know, you have to get behind the paywall and it costs like $19 for a month. And there's like a thousand different things back there that you can take advantage of. I mean, it's a world. I call it like a, a one man Netflix for conscious creators. So it's a really good interface and it's just going to get better and bigger. You know, I've got all kinds of projects going on, um, but it's really difficult sometimes to to feel 
I think also, you know, my choice of material subject matter is so far outside the mainstream that I am dealing in a very small pool of people who are even enough on this wavelength to attempt to care. I think there are going to be more and more of those people. I think people are going to, it's already happening. It's not in the future. People are increasingly having to seek refuge in ways of thinking and sensing this, the, 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 these kinds of, I don't, I don't even know how to say it exactly. People are being squeezed out of what they felt was the normal world the the mm -hmm. apocalypse as a birth process the the it's being made very uncomfortable for all of us in there yes it is and um the, i mean you know there are different levels of that like it might be kind of mild or it might be really really bad <laughs> um and people what what people do is people find out what we found our unique sensory equipment we found our psychic activations we found out how interconnected our bodies are even when we're totally physically isolated from one another we had to find that out because of the life-threatening circumstances and that that squeeze the the cult squeeze of the world right now is is resulting in people discovering oh wow i need a totally different language to understand what's going on. I need a totally different way of learning. I need a totally um, more unique and open and diverse way of connecting with other people about subjects that I have been fear-mongered and threatened for wanting to talk about. Um, I'm gonna have to find some way into the mystery that we're living in and there's a lot in your materials that help people to connect with that mystery not only in terms of not only in terms of being willing to connect with the mystery and 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 having a way of being in contact with the mystery but you also provide a lot of touch points on the spectrum from uh you know like normal mainstreamy sciencey stuff um like like research data um there are steps that one can take and like here's the mystery and here's the the everyday world where we talk about sciencey data um and like oh well here are all these researchers that are actually exploring these different layers of oh and there's the mystery and this is what I've been dealing with and people didn't believe me and people wouldn't talk to me about it but these researchers make sense and there are a bunch of people doing work on it so you catalog a lot of that stuff and that's pretty huge to make to make stepping stones like that in a in a world like this at the time we're in yeah, I just felt that to be taken seriously, I appreciate all, all that, uh, Max. Uh, I thought I felt that to to be taken seriously, even though I didn't personally need it because I had I, I had experienced the mystery and I had experienced energy and the healing power of it and that sort of thing. You know, I I didn't feel the need to prove it to myself, but I really realized if I was going to be taken seriously, putting out books about you know energetic healing and uh, you know. Um, 
changing our physiology and our consciousness and that sort of thing that I would have to give some like a launch pad, like a, like a quote unquote real world launch pad for a lot of people to begin that journey into the unknown. And I've continued to bring in pieces of that. Although I really do find that as time goes by, I I'm less and less concerned with it. I mean, one of the real realizations that when you get deep into the paradigm that I'm outlining in this new book, it becomes clear that there is absolutely no such thing as science, that science is perception of 100%. And that it, because reality is perception. And so, so I, I realized that, you know, I might as well be reading comic books if, you know, if I'm inclined <laughs> to read science, because it's all the same thing, really, we're just creating stories over and over again. And, and as I say, in the, in, in the world cult and you we're born storytellers and our stories have a way of coming true one way or another. And that's that's our power. And some, some would say that's our curse, you know, until we learn how to, to master that power that just flows out of us as born spellcasters, then we, we will create either prisons for ourselves or paradises or somewhere in between. But usually it's pretty extreme, especially, you know, in the, the apocalypse that we're in right now. So, um, I, I'm glad that you've picked up on my my attempts to create those um, those scientific touchstones. I've also tried to do a kind of multidisciplinary thing, multi-genre uh, approach where I'm really not I don't separate fact and fiction and this by the same token, I, they they are they are part of a continuum. So these novels that I'm writing are, just as valid in my view as the nonfiction that I've put out and even the humor like the angel's dictionary, which is the kind of satirical deconstruction of all of this apocalypse that we're in right now, the same thing. It has value in terms of helping one understand what the hell is going on. Subscribe to www.intuitivepublicradio.network for part three and find Saul Luckman's work at saulluckman.substack.com. Thank you for listening.